Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm Ari Mizell. And I'm Nick Sonnenberg. And today we have the honor of having David Bach on the show. And David is the author of several books, but particularly the one we want to talk about today is The Automatic Millionaire, number one New York Times bestselling book, number one on Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Business Week. He sold over 1.5 million copies. And he was on the New York Times bestseller list for 31 weeks. You've probably seen David on CBS, CNN, NBC, Fox, New York Times, pretty much anywhere that you might look to get information about how to do better with your finances. So, uh, David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You guys, it's my pleasure. It's great to be with you on your podcast. And congratulations on all the success that you guys are having. Your business is, I know, skyrocketing. And uh, congratulations on your new book, too. Thank you. And, and, and one thing that, that nobody will know is that a lot of the success is thanks to you. Less doing, first of all, I got to give people the background of this. I, I, I really like to look back at the roots of how things sort of happen. And because of a friend introducing me to a friend, to another friend, I did an interview one day at a co-working space here in New York. And a guy overheard me, who also was named David. And that David introduced me to this David. And because of you, I, 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 that's why the original book really came about, the, the Less Doing, More Living book. So it all started there. And then you introduced me to Joe Polish in a very awkward FaceTime video call one day that I didn't even know <laughs> And uh, it's been off to the races. And then, and then because of Less Doing, I was able to meet Nick, and we get to do what we do now. So uh, we really owe a lot of our success to, to uh, my relationship with you. So thank you, David. You are very welcome. And you know, it's amazing because I remember like it was yesterday, us sitting at Bubby's and, and me saying to you, that's a restaurant in Tribeca for those of you who don't know. And me saying to you, you know, you really should write a book. And you look at me and you're like, you think I should? I'm like, definitely. <laughs> and then you went and did it. And, you know, so like I, I always love the opportunity to mentor people and then see them just go and take action immediately. And you really have taken action. And, you know, you're the, you're also though the 10 year overnight success story, right? Like the stuff right. didn't just happen overnight. So uh, and, you know, let me give you credit for a second because, well, we have this love fest here. You know, that that breakfast was a big instigator for me to take a sabbatical because I remember you asking me what I was going to do the next year. And it was the first year that I didn't have a new book coming out. And I said, I'm actually thinking about taking a sabbatical and taking a year off. And you, and I, and you said to me, well, well, why don't you do that? And I said, well, you know, these are the things I'm worried about. And you sort of looked at me and you said, you know, kind of the whole point of winning is being able to celebrate. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I went back to my office, my 4,000 square foot office in Tribeca and looked around and thought to myself, you know, he's right. Like, why not just take a victory year off and uh, enjoy? And so, you know, I took 2013 off at a total sabbatical. Um, that conversation was, was a helpful catalyst to that. So thank you. When, when you took that year off, did you have like a company with other people running it during that year or... Are you more like a one-man show doing the, the books? And You know, it's a really good question. So the, I did have a company with employees running things, and then I really downsized it and took it virtual um, down to a couple people, just kind of, kind of you know, keeping the lights on and keeping certain things going. But I will tell you guys, like, I went from being everywhere. You know, I did, I did 12 books in 10 years. We have 7 million books out total. Yeah, wow. um, I, did, I did a lot of Event, you know, my seminars touched a million people through live events. I was doing the Today Show every single week. Um, I went from doing all of these things to doing nothing. But as Ari, you know, like being a dad, like you're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to just be a dad. I want to hang out in Tribeca and take my kids to school and, you know, go to, to my, I want to go have lunch and go work out and then pick my kids back up. And, and, uh, and I skied a whole bunch and I traveled around the world. But 
I really just stopped. And I also didn't make a big public deal about it. I just stopped. I, I dropped off from Facebook. I stopped sending out doing social. I mean, I just, I took a year off. And I will tell you the, the experience, which is not what we were doing this podcast for, but the experience of taking a sabbatical was probably the single most important thing I've ever done in my life. Because as an entrepreneur, I had been charging hard for, you know, almost 25 years and I was, I didn't realize I was burnt out, didn't realize I was tired, but I was. And, uh, you know, that experience within 90 days of taking a break, it was like, it wasn't like I recharged my batteries. It was like I replaced my batteries. Mm-hmm. And I will tell a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast are entrepreneurs and they're more tired than they realize. And you don't necessarily need a year off, Nick. But for a lot of people listening, just even getting like a two or three week break Dude, I look at you guys right now. You're kind of like, I just took four days <laughs> off, which sounds silly compared to a year, but it was a huge deal for us. Cause it's like, you know, when you, when you run your own thing, even when you're off, you're not really off, you know, you still have your phone, you can still check emails at night, but to be, it was the first time where I literally was not reachable for four days. And it was a scary, uh, uh, honestly, I, I, I was kind of scared. We were talking about it before. I'm like, Look, I'm gonna be off the grid. Let's get yeah, everything. Yeah, we have contingency <laughs> plans in place. <laughs> um, but uh, when I used to be a trader um, on Wall Street, uh, I used to be forced to take two weeks, uh, two week block leave, and they don't. They didn't really. I mean, apart from them doing that for the burnout management, it's really to stress test processes and make sure you're not hiding trades. I've. We were discussing that it's actually a great exercise for us to stress test well our company setup and how strong our, our setup is because if Ari can't go away for two weeks and the company runs smoothly or same with me then we have bigger problems than what we really realize and also what I remember from the bank when I used to cover someone else's trading book it used to always uncover some way to improve the way that they were doing it because when you're the one doing something day in and day out you get used to doing things a certain way so having fresh eyes on different processes also helps strengthen the trading strategies. And I think we're going to bring that into our company and force all the top people to take two weeks off consecutively. And everyone will do everyone else's role during that time. And that's how we're going to one recharge the batteries, but you know, continue to improve our processes. I think it's a great idea. It also really becomes a cultural um, center stone, I think of a business when you start to do that. Like I, after my sabbatical, I was vice chairman of a really large financial planning company and that company had a sabbatical policy that after you were there seven years you took you got a six-week sabbatical and same concept they you had to take a six-week sabbatical and you had to unplug and they actually unplugged you from the office and people that sabbatical experience for people was like they would talk about it for years right like it completely inspired and motivated them and then they would go on their sabbaticals and show what happened but it also gave the company time to find out like you know, that person had to really get stuff organized to be gone for six weeks. And then, like you just said, from a stress testing standpoint, you could sometimes find out, hey, you know what, maybe something's not going on here correctly. So um, it's a great policy. And I think you guys will be, you know, as a young company, as you, as you grow, uh, you insert some kind of a sabbatical program like that, or even two-week breaks, um, you'll have more people wanting to work with you, and you'll have your, your team come back more charged up than they, than they were before they left in a huge way. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's talk about the book now. So this is not a new book. This is a, a, a completely updated book, but this is, it's 10, 10 years ago, right? The first one came out. 
Yeah, well, so The Automatic Millionaire, I originally wrote it in 2000. It came out, I launched the book on Oprah, uh, which was just a remarkable experience. It was kind of like my dream uh, come true. I wanted to reach 10 million people. And really, my goal was, let's get Americans to pay themselves first and to really change the conversation in America about this idea of like, the way to really build wealth is to build wealth automatically. It's not to use a budget. It's not to use discipline. And I knew that because I, had, I was at Morgan Stanley working with real clients and I had seen all these ordinary people come into my office able to retire in their 50s and their, you know, their late 50s, early 60s, and they were rich, you know, often with a million dollars or more nest egg. And they had all done it through saving automatically. And so, you know, the Automatic Millionaire is actually a little book that tells the story of this very ordinary couple, Jim and Sue McIntyre, true story. This couple was from San Leandro, California, came into my office. Uh, the year they came into my office, they, the income had been $55,000. And their average income was like, well, I think around $35,000 a year, if I recall correctly. And they were able, I, I thought there's no way these people can retire unless they've just inherited money. And they literally came into my office. They had nearly $2 million. They owned two homes free and clear. They had put their kids through college without uh, student loans. They didn't have any car debt. They didn't have a debt on their boat. And they had well over a million dollars in investments. And as I sat there, I was just sort of spellbound. I was like, wow, how did you, how did you guys do this at such a young age? And that, their story is basically in this little book. And the Automatic Millionaire book, I designed the book so that you could read it in less than 90 minutes. And you could put the entire plan in place in less than an hour. And that was back in 2003. So the last time this book was updated in paperback was 2005. What's changed now, and you guys are part of this, you know this, is that technology has changed everything. So after 10 years, it was really time to update this book because, well, it used to take an hour to automate your financial life. You can do it now in many cases. You can get started in less than 10 minutes. And I always said, you don't need to be rich to be an investor. You can now start with a dollar a day. I'm more excited than I've ever been to put this message back out there to really also reach millennials. Because I think there's a whole generation that needs this information to get their financial life on autopilot. So what are some of the tools that you suggest or the services that you suggest people to be automatically investing in? All right. Well, so the first, first thing is really the tool is your brain, right? Like you, you really need to change the way you think. And here's what I mean by that. I teach a very simple concept, which is if you have a job, you save one hour a day of your income. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a typical job, someone's actually paying you to do work. You're not an entrepreneur. If you're one of those people with a job, you go to work from nine to five, you need to keep the first hour a day of your income. And that's a mindset. Now, once you go, he's right. You know what? Why wouldn't I? If I'm going to work 2,000 hours this year, uh, I'm going to work 90,000 hours over my lifetime. Why wouldn't I at least keep the first hour a day of my income? And that's what I talked about on Oprah. That's why that show is so life-changing. They kept replaying it. One hour a day of your income can change your life. Now, the average American is saving less than 15 minutes a day of their income, which is insane. And that's only the ones that are saving. 47% of Americans today can't get their hands on $400 in case of emergency purposes. So the average American has less than six days of expenses set aside. So you go back to the mindset, you got to keep one hour a day of your income. Now, how do you do it automatically? For those who have 401k plans, you sign up for it and you make sure you're putting one hour a day of your income away. And that's 12 and a half percent of your gross income. 
for everybody here who's listening, who's self-employed, you need to go online, open up a SEP IRA, self-employed retirement account, or a solo 401k plan. And then you need to be automatically moving money. Every time money comes in, you've got to automatically move that money into that plan. That's the first thing. It's the automatic pay yourself first part of the plan. That's planning for retirement specifically though, right? I mean, you're not going to touch that money before then. Yeah. So the automatic millionaire book, there's a blueprint in the book. It's the last chapter. And I give you seven specific places to move your money automatically. So money comes in, automatically goes right into your retirement account. Then the second thing is your check is automatically deposited. And then we have baskets where your money goes. So you, you put money gets moved automatically into a security account. That's from case of emergencies. Then you have another basket where money gets automatically moved into a dream account. That's for all the fun things in life you want to do. We have a system by which you automate all your bills. And really, any bills that you have that are reoccurring should be automated. It, when you do it correctly, you guys, your financial life should take less than 10 minutes a month to monitor and keep on track. And that includes seeing where all the money is going. So like, you know, companies, it's amazing to me that there are still people who don't use websites like mint.com as an example, as a company I talk about. Mint.com is just a great tool to track where all your money is going automatically. And uh, yet I, I, most people I run into are still not using that tool. It shows you everything. It's a dashboard. It shows you where all your finances are going if you link everything. Yeah. And then there's this other one, Prosper Daily, that we, that's, that, that's that we favorite, use, yeah. which shows you like all the reoccurring charges that are happening on your card. That's another great site. And then in terms of, you know, websites, like there are new companies now that make investing automatic and, and simpler. So like one of the companies I really like is a company called Acorns. Mm -hmm. They basically oh, yeah. took my lot, my latte factor concept, which is take small amounts of money and save it. And they made it all automated. So Acorns, if you haven't been to that company's website, you can, it's, it's Acorns, A-C-O-R-N. Yeah. The leftover change they invest in. Awesome. Yeah, you, you, you can roll, it rolls up your change. Again, it, it invested in an automated robo account of ETFs. I like, I, the, the, I, went, on the, I went on their uh, app to see how fast I could do this. And I was able to set up an account online from my phone in less than 10 minutes. I was so blown away by how simple the process was that I got on a plane. I, got, I reached out to the CEO and the founder uh, got on a plane, flew out to Irvine, went through the headquarters, wanted to see the operations, then uh, actually invested in their round alongside PayPal. And, you know, they were at like, I think 600,000 accounts when I was with them. They're now at 1.4 million accounts. They're just attracting millennials from everywhere. And, you know, it's just a, that's, a, that's an example of a breakthrough technology in a new fintech company that's talking that I talk about in the automatic millionaire, these new companies are making investing easier, more automated and simpler and, and less expensive, by the way, like the cost to manage money now is like, you know, one tenth of what it used to cost. So just a lot of cool, exciting stuff. And what about like things like Wealthfront? What do you think of that? I like Wealthfront. So I go through the robo advisors in the automatic millionaire and specifically actually cover Wealthfront and Betterment. Uh, and personal capital is another great one. There, those are all firms I would look at. I would look at Wealthfront. I would look at Betterment. I would look at personal capital. I think well, those three, uh, for larger amounts of money, those are all three great places to look at. Yeah, I was going to say Wealthfront is you get more of the benefit if you're a wealthy individual and you can benefit from the tax harvesting. 
Yeah, I mean, look, people are making a big deal about tax harvesting and candidly, most, we've been doing tax, har- you know this, Nick, we've been doing tax harvesting in the investment business as long as I've been alive. Like, this is like, I love the fact that these robo-advisors make this big deal about this, but it's not a new technology. The idea that you, you take losses and you offset it with, you, know, you offset gains with losses is not new. It's just a lot of investors didn't know that that could be done so easily. Now it's all automated. Yeah. Now I also cover in the book, Vanguard, Schwab and TD, because those three are basically getting into the robo-advisor business. If not, if anything, they're the biggest robo-advisors. Schwab's rolling out a new platform right now. Vanguard's got an unbelievably robust uh, advisory program. Really, the, the business of managing money has really changed significantly in the last 10 years. And the key is it's made it easier for small investors. Because it used to be, you know, you really needed to have $100,000 or more to work with a financial service advisor. And today, you can go to one of these firms online yourself, go through a questionnaire, click, you know, a handful of buttons and have your automated investment account, again, set up in less than 10 minutes. So there's there's, there's no excuse to not be doing this. And what I hope with this new book, you know, getting it out back out there is that we'll just inspire another million people to go get their financial life automatic. A friend from grad school created a company, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Debitize, D-E-B-I-T-I-Z-E.com. No, I haven't heard about it. Tell me about it. And it, it's pretty cool. I'll connect you because he's in New York. If you're interested. Um, it's, basically, I, it's basically a credit card that works like a debit card for people that have trouble budgeting. So in credit cards, you, 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 know, you can use as much as you want, but then at the end of the month, you might not have enough money in the bank. So this links it up with a debit card. So every credit card purchase, it takes money immediately out and it helps people to budget. But then he also does some type of, and I don't know how he does it, but it says here on his website, credit optimizer. So he's able to make additional payments in some optimal way to help you boost your credit score. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to learn more. You know, I, 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 the, the beauty of FinTech right now is there's so many of these companies. Um, I'd yeah. be happy to talk to them. I think the, the one thing about these fintech companies is that you really need to make sure before you use them that they've got the funding to stick around a lot of times. Uh, like that's an example like I got on a plane and went out to see Acorns because there's a lot of new fintech. And I know nothing about debitize. I just, I know that as I look at these fintech companies, you know, some of these companies get funded with a couple million dollars and then they're gone. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because there's thousands of these new fintech companies out there. Um, the ones that succeed, but it is an exciting time. And it, there are tools today that have never you know, really made it easier and easier to do this. And that's, that's the key, right? Like the, you know, the democratization of, of money. That's, that's what we want. We want all, all this available to people. So Dave, you were mentioning before that if you have a regular job and nine to five, the first hour goes to yourself. But what if, what if you're an entrepreneur? How did the rules change? So I think the, the, the real thing that changes for entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs don't pay themselves a paycheck, right? So it becomes a little bit harder to automate your finances. And this kind of goes back to the mindset, which is, first of all, you really need to have the accounts set up and then meaning like have the solo 401k plan set up or have a SEP IRA account set up, have an account set up for your, to be holding tax money for your your tax exodus, have money set aside in a security account. And what you can do is as money comes in, it's not as easy to automate because, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you've got different cash flows coming in. But if you're an entrepreneur with, with, residualized income like you've got a business like you guys as an example you have a business now which which is a lot of subscription service right like people are 
you're hitting people's cards every month at a certain time for their bill. For you guys to automate things as a business is very, it's actually not difficult at all. You can automate as the money's coming in, you can automatically have money swept, a certain dollar amount swept aside for your different buckets. So I'd be sweeping money into a retirement account. I'd be sweeping money into a tax account. I'd be sweeping money into an emergency account. I'd literally have different accounts for those different areas. And then I think from an automation standpoint, what's really key for, you know, especially freelancers, but really anybody starting a business is that you get your bookkeeping and your invoicing and all the things that you do financially automated. So whatever, you know, whether you want to use FreshBooks or QuickBooks, you've got all of your accounting being put online using a dashboard as automated as possible. Your billing is automated. The more you can automate, the better. And, you know, if you go back to like what you guys do, right, it's all about systems. I mean, that's kind of the key to leverage, right? Like it's, it's about creating systems that don't require you to be thinking about it and manually doing it. And I think as an entrepreneur, the key is you got to go through your list of things that are financial related and go, what am I doing that shouldn't need me to do that I can automate? Yeah. I mean, we're using Toggle, which is a time tracking tool, because apart from the monthly subscription, uh, we charge an hourly fee and keep track of time through Toggle. So we've done some custom development to automatically pull that information into how we pay our contractors just to save our bookkeeper um, the, the time every month or every other week to, uh, to pay the contractors. It's awesome. With this book, you know, you said a lot of millennials are learning a lot from this right. and obviously people were planning for retirement, but is, yeah. is there particular people that like, I mean, I guess millennials are one of them, but they, they have to get this book right away and they got to start using it. They like, you know, no time like the present, but like, is there a specific group that this would really, really, really benefit? You know, it's, it's, it's such a good question. I mean, this book, can, I think can help anyone, but I'll tell you what, when you're, when you're young, the, the miracle of compound interest is so much easier, right? So when you're in your twenties or your thirties, I go through this thing called the latte factor where, you know, cutting out five to $10 a day. And I'm not getting people to give up their coffee. I use it as a metaphor, but showing you like literally in the, in the book, in the compound interest charts, how five to $10 a day can completely change your life. And when somebody starts in their 20s, it's just so much easier. Now, if someone's in their 50s, because there's a lot of people in their 50s just getting started, I also tell you in this book, look, it's not too late for you. The fact is, if you're 50, you're going to live to probably be 100. And so it's never too late. I think Having done 12 books, I now tell everybody to start with the Automatic Millionaire book because what I've seen firsthand is this is the book that really gets people to take action. It's not just about paying yourself first, too. I really talk about home ownership and how to buy a home and pay that home down early. I go through a technique called a bi-weekly mortgage. And I think for anyone who owns a home, just that technique alone can save them somewhere between fifty dollars to $100,000 in interest payments over their lifetime. So I think the automatic millionaire book, what it can do for the average person listening is put you in a position to retire 10 years sooner. And if you're starting late, it can at least put you in a position to get your financial life together quickly and get you to a point where you can be out of debt and financially secure. So the book is not, you know, key thing about the automatic millionaire. It's ironic. It's got this great title, the automatic millionaire. And I start off in the book and I basically say, this is not a get rich quick scheme, right? This is not a book you're going to read and get rich in a day by sitting on the couch. Like this is a plan that's timeless. That is, you know, no bullshit. That's what works. 
that will work over your lifetime. It's a decade plan. Is it decades? My, I'm grandly used to always say it's days, not decades. And that's, that's what this is. But it's amazing because the book has been out for over a decade. And so the success stories from people are just remarkable now. I've had people come to me and, they're, and they are millionaires after a decade. I've had people come to me that were six figures in debt and they're like, I'm no longer in debt and I have a quarter of a million dollars in savings. I have people who lost their homes to foreclosure and the recession and now they've bought a new home and they're back on top. And I always say, look, our website's davidbach.com. We have thousands of success stories on that website. And you can also just go to like Amazon and take a look at what people are saying about The Automatic Millionaire. It's a book that's really helped a lot of people. And if you haven't ever read it, uh, I'm super confident it can help you. Awesome, David. So, so the last question I always like to ask in these interviews is, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you're going to have to come up with three new ones because you've already given us a lot of nuggets. <laughs> top three pieces of advice to be more effective. Number one piece of advice is have your goals right in front of you on a piece of paper. In your, I'm sitting here in my office and my goals are right in front of me. They are written out for the year what I am focused on. And they are broken down by business, personal, family, health, and spiritual. So I think that number one is having, you know, cliche, but written, clear, specific goals that you see every day. Second thing I would say is have those goals be aligned as much as possible with your values. So I have really spent my life as a financial advisor teaching the concept of what I call purpose-focused financial planning. And at the core of that, it's your financial plan, your goals, the things that you do with your life should be based on your core values. So identifying what's really most important to you and having clarity around that so that when you're making these, these goals and these business decisions, you make sure that they align with your value because if they don't, you're, you're miserable. And then I'm going to give you more than three, actually. The third thing I would tell you that's been the most transformational thing that I picked up three and a half years ago, thanks to our mutual friend, Joe Polish, is meditation. So if I were to look at my life today and say, what makes me more effective today than 10 years ago? And more importantly than effective, I think happier, it's that I took up transcendental meditation three and a half years ago. I've already meditated this morning. I'm going to meditate again before the night's over. Meditation is something that is just, I can't, like I'm stuttering. I can't put into words how good meditation is for your life. And a lot of people are talking about meditation right now. It's almost like a fad. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's great at starting new things and sticking to them all the time. And meditation is something that I've stuck to. And that would be, you know, three. And if I'm going to give you one more, I'll tell you about an app I love. It's a part of my being effective is that I always, I'm very good about journaling and writing down every day what I'm grateful for. And that's kind of a lot of times either how I start my day or end my day by doing a positive focus. Got this from Dan, our friend Dan Sullivan, positive focus. And I now use uh, the five-minute journal app where in the morning after I'm done meditating, I write down what I'm grateful for. I write down what's going to make this a great day. And I upload at the end of the day a picture of something from the day to remember. And now I have, I love this app on my phone, this great tool where not only am I you know, putting it somewhere that I can see it, but I can go back. And I, like this year, I've got like this beautiful journal of all these positive things that happened to me with pictures. 
So there you go. I gave you more than three Ari. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, we'll always take more value. So thank you, David. Um, everybody, we're going to have links to the book in the show notes. And uh, David, thank you, as always, for your time and, and, and for your support throughout everything. You guys, my pleasure. Ari and Nick, you guys are awesome. And thank you. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.